This is the Morning Sports Desk for Wednesday, April 12th. Well, Corey, just when we thought the Wolves were dead in the water, they decide to play three quarters of magnificent basketball and then decide to implode in the final fourth quarter in overtime. I'm glad you presented it that way because that's kind of how I want to talk about the uh, the Timberwolves today. Let's do a good, bad, and ugly about, yeah. about the Timberwolves. Um, just as a recap, they played in the, uh, in the play-in game last night. They lost to the Lakers 108-102. What that means is... Uh, the Lakers are a seven seed. They get the two-seeded Memphis Grizzlies in the first round. The Timberwolves now play for the eight seed, and they will play either Oklahoma City or New Orleans on Friday. Oklahoma City and New Orleans play today. Um, so that's how this is working out. Um, they're playing for the eight seed and then the right to take on number one Denver in the first round of the playoffs. 108-102 final score. If you heard that, you'd think, oh, okay, not too bad. Good little effort. Let's start with the good from yesterday's game, CJ. Yeah, the good was in the first three quarters of that basketball game, they out. They didn't just outplay, they outcompeted, they outhustled the Lakers. The Wolves did all of the little things right. And one of the reasons why was Carl Anthony Towns had a great game through the first three quarters. I think he had about 17 points at the half, uh, was making his threes, was getting to the line, felt like he was using his body correctly, only went into halftime with three fouls against him. And really, it was a game where I was watching, I was like, you know, if the Wolves can hang on and win this game, Carl Anthony Towns can get some much-needed and much-deserved praise for leading the Wolves in a tough situation, breaking kind of the stigma that Carl Anthony Towns has had. Torian Prince was on fire. Mike Conley was on fire throughout the game as well. I think he only missed one three. I think he made about six of them throughout the entirety of the game. Um, The Wolves were playing all-around great team basketball. Kyle Anderson playing out of his position at the five behind Carl Anthony Towns. Did a great job, I thought. At least kind of holding down the fort, a tough assignment against Anthony Davis. Um, I, I mean, the Wolves did a lot of the little things right. They played well on defense, and really up until about the last six minutes of the game, it looked like they were going to hang on and win this thing. They always, Anytime the Lakers made a run, the Wolves always answered. They built it up to a 15-point lead at one point this season. But Corey, a stat that TNT had on the broadcast last night, the Wolves were the second-highest team in the NBA at blowing double-digit leads. And that certainly was the bad. I do want to reiterate the final point you made, though, in that there was this... There was this feeling in the first three quarters, like the the Timberwolves just refused to let the Lakers snatch on to that momentum. Mm-hmm. The the Wolves would jump out. It, it was never like a massive lead. Yeah, you know, it, seven to twelve points, something like that. The Lakers would cut back into it, get it down to a possession, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe even tie it up, maybe even go up by one, and then the Timberwolves would score. They go like on a 7-0 see, run after that point. There are these cl- Laker clown fans right in the front row. You could see them. They'd stand up and they'd start to get really into it. And the Timberwolves would score. And they'd sit right back down. It was really funny to watch. And they did such an awesome, awesome job of that. But, yeah, the bad was they give up a lot of, a lot of big leads. And, th- again, they didn't have any massive leads in this one. 
but the bad was um, they also couldn't put the Lakers away. They couldn't like make that final. They couldn't make that final bucket to shut everyone up officially. They couldn't step on a throat and just finish it. Corey, they couldn't make a bucket in the final. Hold on, we're getting to the ugly six minutes. <laughs> I know, but uh, we're, getting, we're, we're getting, getting to the ugly. I have some. I have some things in between there that I think are yeah. are bad. Um, I still am. Uh, now, I my disclaimer on all of this is I don't get to watch the Timberwolves very often during the year. I just can't. I don't have. I don't have the uh, bally the resource. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have the outlet for that. Um, that being said, um. What happens in between Carl Anthony Towns' ears is a problem. He just cannot he, – he has no composure at all. The, his fourth and fifth fouls, I don't remember in exactly what order they were, but he had a charge called, mm-hmm. and then he had a loose ball fall and a rebound. Davis was trying to box him out, and he just grabbed Anthony Davis by the shoulder and elbow and, and pushed just shoved him down. Him down. Yeah. And – both times he went palms up like huh me you called that on what what and um it's brutal man he has no he has he has no self control and this is coming from through the first three quarters he looked like a killer yeah and it not he, just in scoring but in passing he was doing pretty passing cuz he was sucking in defenders he was making the right reads everything was looking good his uh, his like personal discipline stinks with that kind of stuff. Well, and that's the thing, and we talked about this off air. You mentioned what's between his ears, but also just his his arms. I mean, I, he's been in the, the, I, Anthony Edwards, and we'll get to him in the ugly, I'm sure. But uh, you know, he'll get criticized, and I think rightly so when he screws up. And everybody always says, you know, why are we so hard on Cat and we're not as hard on Ant? And the reason is because Ant's 21; he's still growing. You can see kind of the progression but with Carl Anthony Towns I mean it's his eighth year in the league and he still is just flailing his arms around you mentioned that charge that he had called against him he started at the top of the key and barreled into LeBron James you don't think they're gonna call that like I don't and and let alone that it's LeBron James yeah you can't start at the top of the key and barrel down on a guy midway through the lane with your elbows out yeah (laughs) you're gonna get called for that 10 times out of 10 even if it's not LeBron LeBron is gonna get called for that 10 times out it's just uh it's really ridiculous um uh to stick with the bad for one more instance and uh and this can it will roll over also um Anthony Edwards's shot selection is brutal, man. Yuck. Now, I'm not talking about made or m- missed shots here. You're not talking about the outcome. You're talking about the process. I'm talking about his decision making with the ball in his hands sometimes. And if it's not a sh- if it's not a shot selection, it's turning the ball over in times that like this is not Carl Anthony Towns just scored on two possessions in a row. You can't take a one-on-three, step-back three as the heat check. You haven't earned the heat check. Carl did. That's like a that's like a basic rule of pickup basketball. Mm-hmm. Somebody scores twice in a row, they get to touch the ball before somebody shoots. They get to decide to not shoot. Now, it is worth noting. You don't get to heat check yourself. 
it is worth noting with Anthony Edwards, in the fourth quarter, he did try and block a Davis shot and actually leapt over him as he was arched down and fell. Uh, avoided really a big hit to the head, but kind of braced his fall with his arm. Uh, looked like his shoulder was a little messed up. And, yes. And I, even more reason, though, to why you can't be doing that kind of stuff. That is, in his defense, probably why the shots weren't falling in. But a little a little discipline from that. If you're not feeling right and it's not right for you. And he wasn't having a great game up until that point. Maybe either. stop taking stealing heat checks from people. Well, Let and- the game come to you just a little more. That part is not. I don't get to watch a lot of them. But that part from this exact point of the season a year ago for Carl and for Ant, it has not grown. Exactly. At, you know, in the games that I've seen anyway. Well, and the thing with Edwards, too, is he wasn't just bad shot selection in that game. Now, he was being guarded by Jared Vanderbilt, who we all know is a good defender, and the Lakers made a concerted effort to clog the lane and prevent Edwards from doing the drives, the thing that really get his game going. But outside of that, uh, Edwards late in the game, in that fourth quarter, uh, Corey, where the Wolves did not score in the final six minutes of regulation a field goal. The only thing they got were the three Mike Conley free throws. Uh, to send it to overtime, uh, but those were amazing. Amazing, Mike Conley's great. Man, he got bailed out on that foul call, but he made all three. He made them. But like with with Edwards, he would just hold on to the ball until there's like eight seconds in the shot clock, and whatever if you have a plan. But then he'd take true dribbles in and be like ah, and then you give it to like Torian Prince with four seconds left. Like you're not you're. Your teammates aren't going to bail you out in that situation. It's yeah. just it was not smart basketball. It goes from cat and ant. And people on down. It goes from head coaching with Finch. I mean, is that that there was no semblance of offense, like any kind of structure with that offense at a time when the offense desperately needed structure. And that's where a head coach should come in and draw, I don't know if draw something up is the right word, or at least find some kind of way to navigate through that chaos. Yeah, I thought Finch actually was good. He was good in the, like the whole team. He was great in the first three quarters, but it was that end of game situation where no, I, it I, felt I, like everybody yeah. needed some kind of direction. I actually dis- I disagree with that. Um, I thought he was good. I thought he used his timeouts very appropriately. Um, he was able to stop momentum. Um uh, I that this is just this is a per, this is a personality trait of mine. Uh, I'm pretty I, I'm I'm pretty willing to let uh, to not throw the coach under the bus. Yeah, we can't be talking about how undisciplined all of his players are, and then then and then also say, well, the coach didn't have a plan. That's probably not the case. The coach probably had a plan, and he has undisciplined players. That's what yeah. I believe. And Yeah, and there's got to be a little bit of give and take there. And I do like Finch. I've, and I think, by the way, over 100 wins, he's already got the second most in Wolves history. What a joke of a franchise. <laughs> what a, and by the way, it's not like the Lakers were lighting it up either. It was bad. It was a competitive game. There was a lot of drama. But in that fourth quarter, it was a lot of bad, bad basketball. The um, We can just breeze over this because I... I I want to kind of give you the floor on some other things. Sure. But the ugly was, of course, the shooting at the end was just like one of the (laughs) – that was really really bad. There's there's nothing else to say. It was awful, 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 awful shooting for the Timberwolves from the six-minute mark through overtime. Torian Prince had been lights out all night long. The Wolves get a big steal. They get it to him in the corner. And on the drive, looks like he's going to the rim instead, kicks – to Prince in the corner and just misses a wide open three, and if that's just that's how the game went, uh, so I 
the you know let's beat the Pelicans or the Thunder or whatever. It doesn't really matter at this point. Okay, I'm going to give you the floor on this. Uh, the Twins beat the White Sox three to two in extras. I don't need the nitty gritty of, uh-huh. of that game. Whatever. But here's what I here's what I want. I want um, kind of like Twins adjacent sort of things. Um, in particular, current Twin Pablo Lopez, the starting pitcher. He's great. And former Twin, and a piece of the reason that you have Pablo Lopez, and 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 the situation that it's in. Of course, in Luisa Rice. So I'm going to give you the floor, and I'm going to skedaddle. So Pablo Lopez was, uh, of course, the centerpiece of the Twins' offseason outside of Carlos Correa. Uh, Pablo Lopez, the team's number one starter, opening day starter, had had two really great starts up until this point, played a tougher lineup in the Chicago White Sox, had about a 30-pitch, two-run first inning, and since then was absolutely lights out. Retired almost 20 hitters in a row. Got the pitch count under control. Had 10 strikeouts in seven and two-thirds innings. And really just an overall great night from Lopez. Um, he's good. He's really, 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 really good. But unfortunately, the Twins had to give up a really good player to get him in Luis Arise. And Luis Arise, by the way, uh, um, is... a uh, He hit for the cycle yesterday. He's the first Miami Marlin to ever hit for the cycle. And Luis Arise looks slimmer. He looks a little more toned. He's still just putting the bat on the ball. He leads the National League in batting average and in hits. He's a great player, and I wouldn't surprise me if Luis Arise won another batting title. But for the Minnesota Twins, they got a really good pitcher back in Pablo Lopez. They win in the ninth, in the bottom of the 10th thanks to, um, thanks to the White Sox just being a really bad defensive team. Uh, the White Sox have a ton of talent and they have no way to kind of mold it and get it into what looks like a competitive and thoroughly good baseball team. Uh, But in terms of the Twins' talent and some of the young talent they have, Joey Gallo officially went on the 10-day IL, uh, basically with a rib injury, and now the Twins are going to call up. It's not officially announced, but basically looks like it's announced Ed Julian, uh, the Twins' number four prospect. He's a top 100 prospect in all of baseball, and he's either going to make his major league debut today or he'll join the Twins on the road trip to New York over the weekend, of course, because the Twins play at noon today. Uh, Ed Julian is going to be a leadoff hitter. He could play second and first base. He's got some raw power. Uh, He can be that number one top of the lineup kind of hitter. He's got raw power. Guys, uh, able to draw some walks and just overall an exciting player. Played for Team Canada in the World Baseball Classic, hit a home run, uh, a couple home runs in the leadoff spot. Had a rough couple games to start for St. Paul, but has really turned it on. And as he left uh, the game in against, uh, or as he left the game for St. Paul yesterday, he rung an RBI double. So he's definitely coming into his own at AAA at 23 years old, pretty young for a big league call up, but looks like he's ready. I'm excited about Ed Julian and excited to see Ed Julian make his debut. At some point, Royce Lewis is going to come back this season. Twins number one prospect, Brooks Lee, is in double A. There's a good chance at some point in the season he could get to the big league. So an exciting time for the Twins and their young talent. And by the way, Jorge Polanco and Alex Kirilov are rehabbing. They played in single A yesterday, both of them getting a hit in four at-bats as they try and work their ways back from the IL as well. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Wednesday, April 12th.